0: Hey there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Since 2008, Big Think has been sharing big ideas from the most creative thinkers of our time. The Think Again podcast straps us into a rocket and shoots us out of our comfort zone. We surprise some of the smartest people you know with ideas they're not prepared to discuss. I'm very excited to be joined today by Paul F. Tompkins. He's a shockingly well-dressed comedian and actor (laughs) who has appeared in many things such as Mr. Show, the film There Will Be Blood, and over a billion podcasts, including his own totally improvised and very, very funny Nation, which I said correctly. Yes, you did. Uh (laughs) Where he makes crazy stuff up with a piano and people snickering in the background. (laughs) Welcome to Think Again, Paul.
1: That is maybe the most perfect summation of the show.
0: (laughs) that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I don't know if you guys can see us out there, but Paul, who is normally a very well-dressed man, is actually- Shockingly so. Yeah, is wearing a track suit today, which mm-hmm. is surprising, whereas yeah. I am in a tuxedo.
1: I just came from Little Italy. Yeah. I was sitting in the coffee shop, me right. and uh, my uh, gibraj,
0: <laughs> I don't know, Try to make up an Italian <laughs> word. Yeah, gibraj sounds Italian. Gibraj. <laughs> yeah, well, so, but that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It's It's allowed here. Yeah. So normally on this show, I have, you know, or recently anyway, I've had like a neuroscientist, a cybersecurity expert. Mm -hmm. You know, with them, I would sit down initially and talk about the brain or the internet. With you, I mean, I could talk about your podcast, but I thought it would be more interesting if we do this. This here is the random word generator that mm-hmm. I just found. Sure. So I thought, let's like just generate three words and All talk right. about those. Absolutely. All right? All right, so let's see what we got. Threat, tiny, and cosmic. Oh. OK, so, yeah.
1: What is more adorable than a tiny cosmic threat?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of Marvin, the Marvin know, the Martian. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. From the old Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. Although he had a, was it a Q36? Space... 236 uh, disposable space modulator. Modulator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it was disposable, though. What was it? Explosive... Space modulator. Yeah. It was
1: destructive in some way. and It was a gigantic
0: machine. Yeah. (laughs) He kept saying he was going to blow up the Earth. That's right, which was pretty subversive for those days. That's terrifying. Yeah. Why was that in a kid's cartoon? I have no idea. So, um... Do you worry about cosmic threats? I do... I do worry about cosmic threats. Specifically, you know what? So this is the difference. You improvise for a living, I do not. So now I was a, i just literally started saying that with no idea what was gonna come into my mind next. <laughs> right, assuming right. that words would then come and right. they didn't. So in fact I you was You gave up too soon. I was lying. Oh yeah. You gave up too so soon So is it like is it like is it like freestyle hip hop where it's just like you can't stop, you don't stop, you no, just have to keep that has going.
1: to because that has to rhyme. Okay. Let me tell you All something. Right. Okay. <laughs> I love improv, and a big part of improv is to keep talking until you until something comes into your head. Right. Like a, a good thing comes into your head. Right. But a lot of it is stalling, you know? Right. And then the better you get at it, the less you have to stall, and you close the gap of opening your mouth and good things coming out.
0: So it's not allowed to go like, ah!
1: I totally screwed that up, I don't
0: know what
2: I'm doing. It's frowned upon, it's frowned
1: upon. Yeah, But improv singing, making up songs, I find that to be the most insanely difficult thing, and I can get as far as one rhyme, and then I'm so relieved that I made it to a rhyme, everything goes out of my head and then it all falls apart.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I try to freestyle like in the car or Mm -hmm. when I'm walking around or whatever, and sometimes it's really flowing and like it's usually when, yeah, there's no one around and I'm like the Wu-Tang Clan.
1: Freestyle rap is so much harder. The rhymes have to be, they come a lot sooner. Yeah. They come a lot sooner. If you're singing and you're making up a song, it's so long before you have to rhyme a word. Like right. you get the word house out there, and then you can do all these peaks and valleys before you eventually get to mouse. Right. You know? A rap, like it happens so fast. Right. It amazes me that people could do that.
0: And it's sort of acceptable in a s if you're doing an improv song to be like, and the house, I don't know what was in the house, but something was there. You know, like you could totally wander That's off And someone acceptable. Was that bad? It's not great. Really? It's, well,
1: it's oh like my specificity God.
0: is what makes it fun. Paul F. Tompkins, so improv critic. I don't know what was about <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: sort of, that's a little bit of a letdown.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. All right.
1: <laughs> but oh. because it's like that thing of, okay, house, uh, mouse, how do I get to mouse? Like right. eventually I have to lead to mouse. So, and the house had a squeaking that was coming from a a mouse
0: <laughs> right yeah right 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 now you're right that's much more specific <laughs> paul that's that that was super specific the house now i feel like you're being you're being sarcastic no <laughs> no nope, nope. mice squeak do they not Okay, fair enough. Yes, they do. They do. All right, we're already we're off on a bad foot here. Paul and I are already (laughs) fighting, but so I think it's probably a good time for us to move on to the main part (laughs) of the (laughs) Sure. Are we done with the tiny cosmic threat? Um, I I I think maybe we are. You know. I sometimes will tiny cosmic threat. Oh yeah, that's true. We sort of left the. I will worry sometimes about
1: the idea that the Earth will end, that the Sun will go out even though that's not gonna happen for billions of years, yeah, it's still, I don't know, it makes me sad that uh, eventually none of this, no one will ever remember that this
0: happened. I think I'm like shockingly insensitive to that in some ways. I'm just sort of like, meh, you know, we're still That's here. probably a better view. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: don't think it's good to worry about things that you have no control over that are not going to happen for billions of years.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But my son, who's eight, he spends a lot of time doing that. He's just Absolutely. like, but daddy, like when exactly is the world going to end? And right. how? Will the fire from the sun come here? Will it burn up all the planets? Will everything melt? That's
1: appropriate for,
0: how old is he? Yeah, he's eight.
1: That's appropriate for him. Yeah. I shouldn't be... Sad that the Earth is going <laughs> to explode billions of years from now.
0: So I think, yeah, I think we could go on about the tiny cosmic threat, but now <laughs> let us go to the segue into mm-hmm. the second part of the podcast in which you and I are in the same boat, where mm-hmm. we are both sort of improvising but in the sphere of the intellect. Okay. We're going to watch three surprise Clips. Oh, so they're um,
1: surprised to you too.
0: I haven't seen them. All I like right. This. I I'm, like this. I might know who these people are, but I've not you, seen these videos.
1: That's why you said we were in the same boat. I yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's what I mean. All right. All right. So let's see what they are. Uh, they were sent to us by all three producers here. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we're gonna pause for one now, second. Now I've
1: never seen this warning before in my life. This website is under heavy load.
0: Yes. What does that mean? Apparently. Everybody's trying it, to watch everyone this. Everyone is interested in Big Think right now. Oh wait, is so your that website? Means, yeah, that's my website. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to an external place. Yeah, no. So what that means? Congratulations. Is the by podcast the way. is over. <laughs> no. Let me. Uh, right. We're gonna go uh, offline for a second sure. while I try to sort this out. Absolutely. Okay. I am back and recording with Paul F. Tompkins.
1: Me too, I'm also back and I'm recording with Paul F. Tompkins.
0: So this this one is from British author David Mitchell who wrote Cloud Atlas, which was made into a movie of questionable provenance, but brilliant literary writer, Mm -hmm. this guy. I have not seen this clip, it is called There is a good reason why Darth Vader is interesting while Superman is just boring.
2: My job is to perform an act of mimesis on the world, to recreate it in text. Good, purely evil characters are as dull as ditchwater. Superman is intrinsically boring. Darth Vader is intrinsically boring until a fairly clunky extra layer gets added later on in a character arc. To truly animate a character, your angels need demonic <laughs> flecks. In them, Dr. Jekyll needs a Mr. Hyde. They're there whether you want them to be there or not, so uh, why not invite them in when you're making fictional people and allow them an influence? It makes the fiction better. It's that simple.
1: (laughs) I agree with him to a certain extent, but yeah, it depends on what you're creating. There are times that I enjoy a very complex and shaded Character, Right. And then there are times when I don't. I think Darth Vader is a very interesting character, even before you find out the things that you find out about him. I was interested in him before I found out he was Luke Skywalker's father. I was interested in him right. before the prequels. Like, that didn't help. I didn't need that to find the character interesting. I think that, you know, he's like a giant magic man in a crazy suit of armor. I mean, it's yeah, like he's fascinating.
0: Th- there's delight in the pure evil yeah. of him, in just exactly. watching him like coldly choke someone to yeah. death.
1: He's a good old-fashioned villain. That is just as much of a fun dramatic device as someone who's more complicated. Like a, a villain who has good tendencies or a, or a good guy who has villainous tendencies. And Superman by the way, is a fascinating character. The idea that he is the last person who survived his planet's destruction, if I may, it's super interesting. <laughs> and, you know, he finds himself in this other place where he adopts it as his homeland and is just trying to live this life, which he, he can't fully live. He's got a secret identity. You know, he denies himself a normal life in many ways because he is trying to keep the planet safe. I mean, I think inherently boring is a very dismissive thing to say. You know, Superman's been around a long time. I think people have written great stories about Superman that right. I think are, are very interesting. And I, I don't know, I just... Yeah. I also think that stories are told in a different way, and I bet a Superman novel could be pretty good.
0: Yeah, well, I you know, I guess that's the sort of improv dictum, right? Never say no, you know, I'll keep exactly. saying yes. I mean, yeah. like, it's always possible that someone could write another interesting story mm-hmm. with very seemingly wooden characters. And one thing that I noticed you know hollywood and comic books in recent years have gotten very very deep into backstory and problematizing and doing exactly yes. the kind of thing he's talking about yeah. to the point where maybe it's time for a backlash you
1: know i wouldn't mind if a batman movie was fun <laughs> yeah well because here's another thing yeah. i've said this many times batman in the comic book right amazing right like this what a great character when you see a human being walking around in that costume, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it can only get so dark. Yeah. When I see this, he's got the black stuff smeared around his eyes so his eyes don't show through the mask. Like, it's ridiculous. And I, you can't take it too seriously.
0: Yeah, and he's sort of like a, he's become this very sad and lonely character who yeah. is heroic in his way, but it's just so problematized at this point yeah. that it's like, oh, That's every Batman.
1: depiction of him.
0: Yeah. I want to, like, go be his friend or something. I mean, and be like, Dude, why can't Batman have a friend? He had Robin, but not really in these recent yeah, movies. They took Robin out of there. They're,
1: they're more uh, work
0: friends. (laughs) (laughs) your your subordinate subordinate work friend that's right they call it an intern now but it used to be a ward (laughs) right. well I think you know we shut that guy up yeah enough with enough with uh, take that the other David Mitchell exactly (laughs) okay so let's uh, let's see who we have next next we have Bill Nye the Science Guy? Bill Nye, The Science Guy. Mm-hmm. And this is a fun series. I have not seen this one, but I do know about this. It's called Tuesdays with Bill, and people send in from all over the world their questions for Bill Nye, and then mm-hmm. he responds to them. Oh, very nice. So let's see what we have here. Does the universe go on forever?
2: Hi, Bill Nye, The Science Guy. I'm Elle and The Science Guy, and I discover why does. This- go on forever. Aaron, uh, the science guy, good to see you. Uh, why does space go on forever? That's a great question. That's a deep question, and no one really knows the actual answer to that. Maybe you will be the one who figures it out, but near as we can tell, the farther we look into space, farther it seems to go. With that said, we can see that all the stars are moving apart, and so People have figured out that they must have all been at one place about 13.6 billion years ago. And so people can observe light that we believe is 13.6 billion years old. But nobody knows what's beyond that or if it's even a meaningful question to ask what's beyond that. What would the world be like if there were no world? And so these are deep, deep questions and the people who think about these questions are called astrophysicists. They study the motion of stars. Physics is the study of motion, and astro has to do with stars. So perhaps you will be an astrophysicist who figures this out. I love that he identifies himself as Aaron, the
1: science guy. (laughs) That's
0: so cute.
1: He loves science. (laughs) Yeah. For kids who love science, it's pretty precious.
0: It's very sweet.
1: Now I feel like we're getting into cosmic threat territory. The idea that the stars all started out in one place and they're moving farther apart <laughs> deeply concerns me. Does it? Because <laughs> where are they going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, this question of what is beyond the edge of space, that mm. just your brain should then explode, I feel.
1: Yeah, the sheer vastness of it, <laughs> that it's impossible for us to comprehend, is not comforting.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are probably a lot of physicists out there in Big Think's audience who are listening to this and they're like, what? You know. Now,
1: physics is the study of motion. Yeah. And astrophysics is the study of the motion of stars.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's what I learned. Okay. Yeah, I did learn that too. Sorry. There are probably <laughs> astrophysicists out there who are hearing me go, wow, I can't believe, like, my brain is going to explode and are just like, oh, my God. Do
1: you think that they think we're dumb?
0: They may. They may, but With, do you think, what's your gut instinct? I think that those astrophysicists are probably glad that anyone's talking about this stuff.
1: But do you think they get together sometimes and they talk about how ignorant the general population of the world
0: is? I think they get together a lot and talk about that. I think that's like <laughs> pretty much all they talk about when they're not writing down equations and. I bet they high five each other. Probably. But I bet it's awkward. Oh, yeah, way awkward. I bet they
1: have to try like a couple times to get a good solid hit.
0: Yeah, so, and that's where we get back at them because yeah. even though we don't understand astrophysics fully. Yeah. I mean, we know what the word means, or you do. Anyway. I know what it means. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, broke, I
0: can break it down. We can high five. Let's do a, a high five in a awkward manner. Let's do
1: a high five that I bet will be a satisfying, like solid contact. Yeah. First time
0: out. Cool. Do you think we can do yeah, it? Yeah, let's go. All right. Ready? Oh my come god! Come on! Perfect, right out of the box. Yeah, come on, astrophysicists, attempt that. Yeah. So, okay, going back to outer space. Sure. Would you go on a like a Mars mission if you could? Mars mission, that is
1: tough because that is quite a time commitment.
0: Yeah, I think it's a one-way trip at this point, unfortunately. So I guess I would, I don't know.
1: I might be happy to leave that to other people if they can't figure out getting people back real soon. Right. I certainly want to see what they can show us. Look, I enjoyed Breaking Bad because I could watch it. It didn't make me want to create meth. Because if I died on a spaceship going to Mars, I'd be so mad.
0: Oh, that would be lame. I'd be
1: so mad. Yeah,
0: basically your last memories are you're like in a tin can. Yeah. You know, high, high above, above the, world. the world. Oh, my God.
1: Planet Earth is blue and, and there's nothing, nothing I can, I can do.
0: jing a jing jing That was our... No, it's two. Oh, my God, a double high five. <laughs> Let's right. try it again. Okay, one more time. jing a jing jing Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That was excellent. And so that we was our it. tribute to David Bowie. That's right. I'm sorry, David. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: not, I think he would have
0: liked it. He, he I probably would have laughed. Approved.
1: I think he would have laughed. Actually, he would
0: have laughed, yeah, yes. I was going to say. <laughs> laughed and laughed. Well, I don't know, is there anything more to say about the infinite blackness of space? It won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Do you believe there is life on other planets?
1: But I do. If the universe is that vast, it seems crazy to think that we're the only ones that would have sprouted life like this.
0: Yeah, well, actually, the universe, given the vastness of it, ought to sort of prove the, like, million monkeys theory. So mm-hmm. there ought to be a planet where there's just Campbell's soup.
2: The Campbell's like, soup thing. Uh,
0: there's, like, an infinite, almost infinite number of planets, right? So every but every impossible the, thing, every combination of everything must manifest Are you saying somewhere. the
1: life form on this planet is Campbell's soup? <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe Is it in cans, maybe sure. And there's another planet where the cans say like "bamble soup," and another <laughs> one where they say like "blamble soup." Right. And and on some of them, those are the life forms, and on others, they're just they're not. They're sure.
1: Inert. You know what? I can't say for sure that that's not true. Do you think that there's a planet like Earth with Earth-like people, but they're just weirdly slightly different in some way, like you know on Star Trek? Right. They have like weird notches on their nose <laughs> or something. And that was the only thing.
0: Yeah. No. Maybe. Yeah. I mean like so here I'm going to get into hey, a reference, yeah. an yep. actual reference. There we go. E.O. Wilson, the biologist, was here and he was saying something about how life ought to evolve on any relatively similar planet somewhat along the lines as it did here. You should mm-hmm. go from invertebrates to vertebrates. You should have eyes that start on the front and then slowly move to be able to see more peripherally because the functions that those things serve are necessary when you're looking around for food and trying to find stuff. So, we Absolutely. Should,
1: yeah. What if though, what if the vegetation is different and there's so much food to go around that they don't evolve?
0: Plants... They're not doing much, you know? They're not. They're, really, they're not. really, in terms of ambition, not seeing any Mars missions coming from them. They're just, because the light is just coming and feeding them, so they have no incentive to here get the, off their asses. Here are the
1: two that I think are the exceptions to that. you got your Venus flytrap, of yes. course. It's like, I eat bugs. I'm not just going to wait for some water to fall on me. And then I also think things like ivy and kudzu that are like, Relentless world domination.
0: Right. Like ivy,
1: like trying to smother a building to where people are like, I don't know, just cut it away from the windows. What are we gonna do? That's pretty amazing to me.
0: But why, with with Venus flytraps, <laughs> why? they Aren't they in tropical places? And pitcher plants too. They're, it's I like think? there's plenty of water, yeah. as far as I know, and food. What do they do? They got bored. Weird. Are there big Venus flytraps that get so big they can eat like a bird? I think there are some. I don't know if they are actually Venus flytraps, but I know there are some like animal-eating plants that can probably eat like a hummingbird. This is botany here, guys. You're hearing botany. This is the sound of it. And ornithology. This is the sound of botany.
1: (laughs) A little bit, a little sous of
0: ornithology. Well,
1: we closed that topic up pretty good. Well, I
0: think we did. Let's see what is the final. We have, oh my goodness, John Donvan, who is the, among other things, he's the moderator, as I know, for the Intelligence Squared debates, saying presidential debates are a mess and here's how to fix them.
3: Oh, okay. The public is so politicized that if I were in a pre- moderating a presidential debate and I were to say that to one of the candidates you know, you're really off point and you're not responding, everybody would think that that means I'm on the other guy's side. And that doesn't happen in the intelligence square debates. I, I don't know why, but the audience, the audience recognizes and understands that what I'm trying to do is to protect the integrity of the debate, that if I'm, that if I'm calling somebody for not de- really debating well, that our audience gets it, that my, what I'm trying to do is to make the debate better, not help one side or the other. I think in the presidential debates, the moderators, if they don't interrupt, it's their fault for letting the debate run off the rails. And if they do interrupt, they get attacked for taking sides. I actually think, and we have proposed to the Presidential Debate Commission that they do the debates our way, have a stated motion, do an Oxford-style debate at least one time. I would be happy to moderate it. You're, you're going to really do a debate. You're going to debate about for and against this motion. You're going to be OK with me interrupting. It won't, you won't take it as an insult. You won't take it as me taking sides. And, and may the best person win.
0: Okay, so if the major news stations want to do that style of debate, that guy, John Donovan, would be happy to moderate. To moderate. Well,
1: that's interesting because it was his idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I did notice that as well.
1: Why isn't his name John Donovan?
0: Why is your name Paul F. Tompkins?
1: What if my name was Paul Tompokins? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't need an O in there. He needs an O in his name. Why should I listen to this guy?
0: That's a really good point. He can't
1: even sort out his own last name.
0: That's a really good point. Now I'm joking, of course. There should be a debate about that.
1: What should someone's name be? (laughs) Your name is wrong, sir. (laughs) I move. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of an
0: Oxford-style debate. From what I understood, and I mean, I only know this because... They do debates at my son's school. So mm-hmm. I've seen what I think he's talking about, which now is his like. Your son is eight, right? He's not debating yet, except with me about like, <laughs> can bedtime. I do this? Yeah, yeah can I do sure. that? Does he try to make arguments though? Cogent <laughs> arguments. <laughs> I will have plenty of rest because last night I had an hour of extra rest. Um, so <laughs> I think it's like that kind of debate is like, okay, the motion on the table is all people should have names that do not contain O. Right. And right, then right, one right. side is like, I move that that is correct right. because you know
1: I, I think he's right. and I think that would be way more interesting and enlightening for the voters. The last time I saw somebody try to shake it up was I think there was a CNBC debate and it was the it was a GOP debate and right. the questions were really terrible. They were really terrible and they were insulting and like I'm not voting for any of those guys. yeah, but still it was like these are awful questions. It could be and it should be better than it is.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, first of all, I think part of the problem, and this goes to what he was saying, is lack of formal structure, right? So these hosts are like, I can do whatever I want. You know, and then you have totally inappropriate things like Donald Trump being like, that moderator is unfair and doesn't like me. And you know, which is just like, do we really need to see that on television? You know, so if they like had a structure, they wouldn't have that problem.
1: I think it would still, you could put a structure in place, then it would still be a difficulty to get the candidates to adhere to that structure. Because it already is. Even though it's the easiest structure in the world, Where basically these guys ask a question and then you have this amount of time to respond. (laughs) And then that's it. Like, then they go over their time. Then what I do like is the (laughs) thing. Where the candidates like, wait, he talked about me, so now I get to go again. Yeah. Because he mentioned me in his thing.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's like kindergarten.
1: Best is when they complain about other people getting more time.
0: Oh, yeah. The, what was the, that guy?
1: Oh. O'Malley. O'Malley did it. Before him, Jim Webb was the, oh, the Jim biggest Webb. baby. Oh, everybody. yeah. um he got all oh, this time <laughs> to talk. I didn't get any time to talk. What, and Mitt Romney was doing in, in 2012. Oh, when yeah. He was debating Obama. And it's like, yeah, that seems really commanding.
0: Yeah, their coaches <laughs> should just tell them not to do that. do that. Yeah. Don't ever do How that. Don't ever do that. How do you not know that? You it's know? the whiniest. Oh, it's I love worst. it. I love no, it. No, but what about this? So you have a structure in place, and instead of, and if they go over time, you have like a siren. That's more of a punishment for the viewers, I think.
1: Uh, here's the thing uh, the number one rule should be you can't start out. Answering a question by saying, let me just first say it's great to be here and thanks to the University of Whatever for hosting us. No one gives a shit about that. The average voter is now like, well, he's the politest one because (laughs) he thanked the hosts for letting them be there. Yeah. That was nice of him to thank the auditorium.
0: Speaking of manners, and this is Mm. sort of a departure, I was thinking of the difference between mainstream American news interviewing and mainstream like BBC interviewing. Have mm-hmm. you ever noticed how like on the BBC they're super rude all the time? Mm-hmm. I mean, Fox is one thing. I don't wanna even deal with that in America, but they but like buttons. Yeah, they're just they like, try to get a rise out like, of people. Isn't that nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> what you just said, isn't it just yeah. utter nonsense? <laughs> right.
2: You know? Yeah.
1: What is that? I think the politics <laughs> the politics over there seems a lot of fun. Whenever you see Parliament sitting around and they're like yelling and booing and stuff like that, yeah. I think that seems way more fun to watch yeah. than C-SPAN. I, I enjoy the bluntness of how rude they are. If they are genuinely saying, no one believes what you said, yeah. why won't you just admit that it's nonsense?
0: I think that would be fine if that weren't what they always do, no matter what the person <laughs> right, is saying. Exactly. Like The person could be like, It was a lovely day today. And and the interviewer is like, but surely, surely that's not the case. (laughs) Well, Paul F. Tompkins. Yes, hello. Hello again. And thank you for being on Think Again with me today. Thank you for having me. This was a delight. This has been a total delight. And that wraps up this week's episode of Think Again with the amazing Paul F. Tompkins. Please join me next week when I speak with New York Times film critic A.O. Scott. See you then.